I always have been a teacher. I'm a twin. So everything I've ever learned, I've always taught to my twin sister immediately, like from my earliest memory, you know, of like being in a crib. My mom would say that when she walked past the room, if Haley was upset, my twin sister was upset, I would be singing to her. I'd be humming to her before I could even speak. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we have a terrific guest to share with you today. Chelsea Chorus is quickly becoming one of the wellness world's most foremost teachers and philosophers. She has been featured in Pop Sugar, Prevention Magazine, Yoga Journal, Women's Fitness, Mantra Magazine, Fitness Magazine, Shape, and is one of the top teachers on Wonderlost TV and Yoga Glow. She's been teaching yoga since the age of 15 and has been an avid lifelong learner in numerous movement practices. Along with exceptional depth of practice, Chelsea is a triple major with degrees in dance, theater, and vocational performance. A decade of learning and teaching around the world has led her to design Awake with Chelsea Chorus, a total lifestyle package around soul, spirit, and the environment. Chelsea, welcome to the show. I am delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I think there's so many things that we could talk about and your background is so interesting. But I love to find out about people's stories and what helped them become who they are and why they do what they do. And I know that you were a triple major in school and obviously that played a role in what you're doing because you studied so many different things. Mm-hmm. Let's start there and, and talk to us about that. Yeah, so I was... Well, I am the like the first person in my bloodline, you know, the first woman to get into a taxi by herself, get on an airplane by herself, you know, rent a car by herself. Like these are things that just didn't happen in, in the small town Minnesota where I grew up. So when I was gonna go to college, I was gonna get a major for every one of my sisters. So I was gonna go to school for the ones that didn't go to school. Um, so I knew I was going to triple major and the fact that they were like impossible, you know, never been done in the arts. It's going to take you like six years. I got three majors in four years. Um, (laughs) So I just, yeah, it didn't stop. It didn't stop me. And what I, what I love about that is not only did you get three degrees in, in that short amount of time, dance, theater, and vocal performance. It's funny because, you know, the thing that you always hear is everybody tells you you can't do anything with a liberal arts degree. And you got three and you proved all those people wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So so fantastic. So so take us through the the next step in, in your life and what happened after that on your journey. Yeah. So in my small town, I started doing a yoga practice at a pretty young age. I was a young teenager and 
um, I would sneak into the city and take classes um, in downtown Minneapolis. And it was my way of kind of rebelling, you know, (laughs) it's like my mom's like, no, anything but yoga, you know, (laughs) it was a very interesting thing in my small town because, you know, back then, that was 17 years ago. It wasn't as known as it is now. It was kind of a scary thing, especially in a religious community. It was like, oh my goodness, what what is this? So I um, started taking these classes. And in these classes, you would learn things like, you are not your thoughts, Chelsea. You know, you're, you're far bigger than your thoughts. And that like blew my mind as a 16 year old kid. You know, I'm like, oh my goodness. And so I was just really enthralled and captivated by the whole yoga scene, but I never thought I would teach it. It was so sacred to me. It was like my time to go and learn about myself and to see what I was made of. So I never thought that I would teach, but my teachers at the time demanded it. You know, it was like, we're putting you through a teacher training. We need you to step up and teach this community. So um, I did as a young, as a young kid and very much just showed up and sucked. You know, it's like, you just got to show up and suck. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what you got to do. And you'll learn Um, because I was so intimidated, such great mentors and great teachers. And I'm like, who am I to be teaching this beautiful art? And, and that's just been a way of life for me. I never knew that it would be part of my career. I just always knew it would be part of my life. So I went to school and um, moved from Minnesota to New York City and, and did all of that and got the degrees and and when I got out of school, I got hired to be in a Broadway show. And I, w- I thought that I was going to perform. And um, it was like the first week of rehearsals where I looked around and I thought, this isn't me. You know, I just, this isn't me. This isn't my path. I always have been a teacher. I'm a twin. So everything I've ever learned, I've always taught to my twin sister immediately, like from my earliest memory, you know, of like being in a crib, my mom would say that, when she walked past the room, if Haley was upset, my twin sister was upset, I would be singing to her. I'd be humming to her before I could even speak. You know, so it was always in me to, to teach, you know, and I just, I quit. I, I didn't do the Broadway show. I knew that wasn't the path. And I had a friend of mine that was very well established in the yoga community in New York City who refused to let me quit on teaching. And she's like, I'm going to get you four interviews today. <laughs> and you're going to start teaching today. And I did. I started teaching the advanced level classes in, in New York City right out of college. And and I was there doing that scene for about seven years until I moved to LA. That's awesome. And we'll pick up the adventure as you shifted to LA shortly. But we, we've never done a yoga episode on this show. And it's what, something that you said earlier really struck me about how you're doing yoga in your community where you grew up in Minnesota. And people were really suspicious of it. And and that's kind of the way yoga was. But I think now it seems like it has a very different presence. And you you often hear very successful people in the entrepreneurial space, businesses, leaders, often talking about yoga. So having not done a yoga episode yet until now, would you mind sharing with us some of the benefits of yoga, some of the science behind yoga, and and maybe dispelling some of those crazy myths about yoga that are out there for the audience. (laughs) Sure. Well, I'm going to have a different perspective because I've been doing this most of my life. You know, over half of my life has been a part of this community. So I've seen it go through so many different phases, you know. And so the way that I'm going to talk about yoga is going to be more of a way of life. And, And that 
way of life is just a mindful way of life. It's just having eyes to see the moment that you're in and being being able to show up with all of you to to your moment, to your now, right? You'll you'll hear that you know, show up for, for your now. Um, but when I was 15, that was like crazy talk, you know, <laughs> it's like, I was like, what are you talking about? So I guess to, the benefits of yoga is this, what I'm talking about is to be able to be grounded in both the body and the mind to be able to show up and to notice that how I'm seeing what's in front of me is, is through my lens. Right. And so I can choose the thoughts that I let live in my mind, or I can let them pass me by but my mind is just like any other muscle. It's made to think. It's made to like process and come up with a, a shortcut to how to get to A to B. You know, like that's what my mind's here to do. And, and as the, the bigger presence of my mind, I get to decide, you know, whether this is true about me or if it's just mind, mindless chatter. Does that make sense? It does. It does indeed. Yeah. So really the yoga practice is just... I mean, it could be seen different ways. So the asana practice is what your body is doing, right? It's these different postures. It's these different, you know, it's like a, it's a meditation for your body through movement. And it's really there so I can get to a place where I can have a good sit and be able to be comfortable in my own mind. Like that's really why we have the asana practice is to tire me out, you know, <laughs> or to focus my mind so I can sit and be truly present. And some days for me, that takes a long time. And that's like a three hour, you know, sweaty practice because my mind is just so hyperactive. And other days I can roll out of bed, do three or four postures and I'm ready to sit, you know? So it's different for, for different days and different seasons of your life. But I think that's the biggest benefit of a yoga practice is a tool that I know is going to work. I can take it to the bank. It's going to work no matter how crazy my monkey mind is, you know, I can do these things. And by the end, I will be able to arrive to my moment. And for those of us out there who are fellow monkey-minded people, <laughs> that, that makes a lot of sense to me. But there are also physiological benefits for the poses, as I understand as well. Would you mind talking us through a couple of those? Sure. I'm just like, are you talking about the asana practice? Well, let's actually back up a second and, and start there because that's a, a word you've said several times in the last couple of minutes. Yeah. So talk to us about what you said that that's the body. Asana is, is I believe, how you pronounce yeah. that. So talk to us about what that is and then what are the actual health benefits physically of doing that? Oh, yeah. Okay. So asana, like really that translates to to the seat, like to taking a seat um, in different postures. And so you... You, you're going to have, you know, in, in a vinyasa class, you're going to string these different positions together um, to create a flow. And so you'll start a class typically with a sun salutation. And that's just different prostrations that are going to bring you up and going to fold you forward. And it's going to take you into a back bend and it's going to bring you back to a forward fold. And you're kind of coming in and out of these postures, which is awakening different energy centers in the body. So if you have like a stuck, you know, a, a lot of women will hold a lot of energy in their gut, right? And, and that's where we would feel it. If you had to point to a place on your body when you're really anxious, a lot of women will point to their gut and be like, oh, and a lot of men will point to their shoulders, you know, like they're going to hold it in their shoulders. So for a woman, a forward fold is going to be very awakening and very healing and nurturing. And for a man, a, a back bend 
is going to be very nurturing and very, you know what I mean? So, and, and it, obviously it's not just women and men there's, we have them both, but it, it's great to go through these different prostrations to get the body unstuck. If that makes sense. It does. And something else I was thinking about, you mentioned rolling out of bed, mm-hmm. doing three hours of yoga. Uh, so for, for, the, for those of us listening and many of the people listening to this show are entrepreneurs or busy parents, yeah. talk to us about how to implement yoga in an amount of time that could fit into one's busy schedule. Yeah. The thing that I love about the yoga practice is you can take it anywhere. I mean, I'm, I'm rarely with a yoga mat. You know, I, I do yoga on uh, the mountain when I'm hiking with my dog. I'll do yoga in an airport, you know, just right there, pop up into a handstand or, you know, something. You can do yoga at your desk. You can really do it anywhere and you can learn a few, you know, simple postures and really take it with you anywhere. So I think that the, the best thing about the practice is just consistency and committing. Like I'm going to commit every morning, you know, before I drink my coffee, before I get to my to-do list, I just, I do these three poses, you know, or I take this sit for five minutes and I just set a timer and I just take a sit. And it's, it's committing to that practice of I'm going to give my body a chance to let the day come to me rather than me rushing after the day. Makes sense. So in essence, and this is something that a lot of people who have morning routines talk about is they build in those things that are critical into that. So building yoga in, even if it's three poses, like you talked about, can have a huge benefit. Yeah. That is every morning for me. It's like the first thing I do before I do anything else is just move, move my body, you know, take, take myself through a really simple sun salutation so I can see where I'm at because every day it's going to be different. You know, and every time you show up to the mat, it's a brand new moment. And I find that if I have like an early flight or, you know, I have to wake up like three and I have to be at the airport and I don't do that, I can tell the difference in the way that I'm reacting to things. You know, like when I give myself that moment where my body can open up, I, I, I seem to be better at observing my thoughts rather than being a reactor of my thoughts. Okay. So I love everything that you shared about yoga. And I know you said that you, you transitioned from New York to LA. Yeah. Take us through the next part of your journey. Yeah. So in the New York time, I started working with a company called Wonderlust. And I was with them from the very beginning. So Wonderlust is a company that does these four-day festivals where we take over a mountaintop. We take over like a ski resort in the summertime. And it's four days of yoga and music and mindfulness and clean eating and hiking and trail running and board yoga and yoga on horses and yoga every which way you could think of it. And it's, it's been, that's been an amazing partnership to build with, with that Wonderlust team. So I've been with them now nine years. And so once I decided that I was ready to leave the hustle of New York, I mean, I didn't take a day off for seven years, not Christmas, not my birthday, not anything. <laughs> just, I worked every single day. Um, and I was like, you know, what? okay, I need some, need some nature time. And Wonderless was opening up a studio in Hollywood. And I went there to help them open that one. So I was in LA for, yeah, for four years until I met my now fiance. Fantastic. And I think we could probably do at least two episodes worth of talk on yoga on horses. But uh, <laughs> Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. 
For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. I know the wonderlust thing is something that you're very passionate about and is important to you, yeah. as is the brand or the the lifestyle which you've designed called Awake. Yeah. Talk to us, talk to us about Awake. Yeah, I, Awake really the the word Awake has been a driving force for me my entire life. I never wanted to be the person that didn't have eyes to see the beauty that's around me, you know? And and that and that maybe sounds kind of romantic, but to me, it's true. It's like there's there's beauty to be seen in every single season, whether it's a hard season or a, you know a joyful season. There's beauty around you, and I always wanted to have eyes to see that. So, for me, being awake is just that: is having eyes to see the moment I'm in. So, being an educator for as long as I have, I'm teaching yoga now for 17 years. The thing about the yoga practice is, you know, it really depends on the teacher. It really depends on, you know, what the teacher brings to the class. And there's a lot of different ways of talking about self-development, obviously. And so I created this awake program that has three pillars to it, basically to create a language around how to talk about self-discovery. And the first one would be the pillar of soul. And so you talk about soul in the way of the deep dive into who you are. Yeah. And that's the direction. It's, it's down, it's in, it's gritty, it's the roots, it's, it's your shadow. It's the stuff that makes you authentically you. And I'm an identical twin. And I still feel (laughs) that there are things that are just mine, you know, to bring to the world that are my gifts to bring to the world. And that's a certain type of study, right? So you've got the soul. And then the second pillar is spirit. And to me, that's, that's the rising above. That's, that's the going above. That's the meditation aspect of the practice. That's being able to get a bird's eye view and to go, okay, I see that I am connected to everything, that there is no division between you and me, that we are in fact one, right? But soul and spirit, they're both true and they're both needed, but they're two very different ways of looking at self-study. Does that make sense? It does. And it's interesting because as you were talking about soul and the deep dive, it would seem kind of intuitive that the spirit part, the the meditation that mm-hmm. uh, this, this is essentially mindfulness, yep. number two, the second pillar. But you need that. It's kind of like a chicken and the egg thing yeah. because you need that insight into who you are and what your life's mission is and all of these things before you can you can even dig deeper. So that that does resonate with yeah. me. It makes a lot of sense. So that's the thing. It's like knowing who I am, knowing that I'm that I'm worthy, that I that I matter, you know, that my decisions and my actions are literally paving the way for future generations. You know, like that that is that is true. You know, the universe isn't unfolding into this pre-existing place that, oh, it is what it is. Nothing can be done. You know, like that's just, that's just not true. You know, like the future is being created by us 
by our thoughts and our words and our actions. And that's why it's the first pillar to get people to understand that you, you're supposed to come here and change and try and fail. You know, like that's, you're not supposed to reach one path. You're there and you're done. You know, <laughs> it's like if that was the case, you'd be so bored. You know, you're supposed to show up and destabilize, you know, uproot yourself, disorient that rehearsed part of yourself that you think that you should be X, Y, and Z. Rather, coming in with the eyes that I get to change and I get to evolve and I get to figure this thing out day by day. And that's up to me. Nobody's going to come and do this work for me. Nobody's going to give me my name for me. It's going to be something that I build and I create and I discover. So that soul. Spirit is all of the ways that we're connected. And then you take soul and spirit and, and what you've gathered. And the last pillar is environment. And for me, the word environment is, yes, the natural world. We think environment and we think like parks and oceans and trees and air and rocks and that kind of thing. And that's very much the case. But the way that I talk about environment is your environment really is just an accumulation of your choices, right? It's the people I have in my life. It's the habits that I have. It's the thoughts that I let live. All of these things create my environment, but it really is up to me to create that. So it's giving the last pillar is giving people permission to create the life that they want to see in the world and that it is up to them. It's so interesting, Chelsea, because what you're talking about can be approached from a different perspective altogether. And I've had a lot of entrepreneurs and, and self-help leaders on the show who talk about you know, habit formation. And, and we often talk about, you know, like the Jim Rohn quote is, everybody knows the Jim Rohn quote, right? You're the average of the five people you're around the most. Mm -hmm. And there's a science behind this stuff. And there's a way that people talk about this. But what you're talking about is essentially the same exact content, but you're looking at it in a more soulful, spiritual kind of a way. And it's so interesting. Yeah. It's, it's the same. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's well, when truth is truth, it's truth. You know, like it's, it's to the heart of it. We're all saying the same thing. And I guess the difference uh, in my view is that I really found a lot of this stuff getting back into nature. You know, I was in, I grew up, I grew up in Minnesota in nature all the time. I was the kid that had the snakes and the frogs in her pocket and was dirty all the time and had dirt under my fingernails and was kind of a wild spirit. And then, you know, I lived in New York for those seven years and really realized that I need to get back to nature and I need to figure out my place in nature. And then when I lived in LA, I took two years where I was, I was single. It was just me and my dog and I needed to rehumanize. I really felt like I needed to rehumanize. <laughs> so I had this hiking trail that I would go every single day, like rain or shine, I would go barefoot running up this mountain every day. And I, I fell in love with nature again. I found a place, I found a, I guess I found a part of myself mirroring back to me in the wild part of nature. And I was like, you know what, there's something here that no matter where you grew up or what religion you follow or what you believe, there is something so innate in us in nature that we can all find common ground. And so that's a big part of my mission is supporting Mother Earth and figuring out how we can tie that in to this mindfulness life. And I want to talk about your mission of and making the earth more sustainable in a bit. But as we're talking this through and everything you're saying, and it resonates with me as I'm sure it does with people who are listening to this. But take us through, you use the term rehumanize, which I think mm -hmm. is so interesting. So 
for the person listening to this who's working their 60 to 80 hours, they're in a metro area and it's just the concrete jungle yep. and, and stress and all of these things that you escaped New York City mm-hmm. uh, from, how do you start? Well, um, I went on a should fast. <laughs> Talk to me, should fast. Tell us, tell us more about that. I, I can't wait to hear about okay, this. Okay, so the word should was a huge part of my life. You know, I was the one, you know, growing up, and I, I didn't have the easiest go in my childhood. You know, I kind of was the parent in a lot of ways and I was, I'm the youngest, but I, I had to do a lot of the, the raising of the family. So there was a belief in me that I should do this. I should do that. And if anybody could be, you know, selfless or, you know, surrender, it was going to be me, you know, and I was going to do it for you. And there was like a righteous, you know, belief in there that I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to sacrifice my best life for you. And I, and I, it was a part of my identity. And I realized, you know, in those two years of rehumanizing that a lot of my decisions were based on shoulds. And I really didn't even know what I wanted. I only knew what I should do. So I had a mentor and a friend of mine that goes, <laughs> every time I would say should, they'd be, they go, should you? should you, you know, it's like, what, why should you do that? You know, who is looking over your life with a clipboard going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like no one, you know, it's like, where does this coming from? Go on a should fast, like for an entire year, don't utter the word should instead put in, I want to, or want to, right? So I should go work out. Do you want to? Is this something that you want to do? So I did that for an entire year because I didn't, know really to the heart of me what I even wanted to do and why. I only knew how to be a good little soldier, you know? So that was, that was the beginning for me, for sure, was figuring out what I wanted to do and then having the courage to go after it and get it because I am worthy to live my best life. And in the beginning, I didn't necessarily believe that. So it took me a while and re- nature was a huge part of rediscovering my wonder and my magnificence, if you will. But, you know, because you see a part of yourself and that grandeur around you and you're like, wow, okay, I I deserve more and I can start going after my life in a much more deliberate way. And it's easier to say when you, when you say I want to, rather than when you say I should. (laughs) It's intuitive. It's, you're right. Because we, we all do those things saying, "I, I should do this. I should do that. I love the way you reframed it. I think that's an exercise we should all I'll do. I'm, Did you? I'm, I'm gonna, Did you? I'm, <laughs> because we want to. Because we want to. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, no, I, I love it, Chelsea. I, I think it's terrific. And, and you've taken your Awake platform. You've spread it. Now you're an Adidas ambassador. You're an athlete for Adidas, which is fantastic. And, and you teased it, but I want to go back to it because I know this is so important to you. Mm-hmm. Sustainability is something that you're so committed to for the earth. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, in this discovery of, fi- of finding myself again, and you know, I would always see these great activists like from the past. And I'm like, I could never be that. I'm from Minnesota. What I value the most is being nice. You know, got to be nice. If it's not if it's not nice, don't say it, Chelsea. You know, it's like, that's how I was raised. And there are so many things about being an activist that wouldn't appear to a Minnesotan as being nice. You know, like that's just a, that's a little too much. That's a little too loud. That's a little too 
whatever. But it wasn't until that those two years where I was really committed to this one place um, that I would go to every day. And I started to look around and I'd be barefoot, right? I'm barefoot running. And it wasn't if I was going to step on glass. It was when I was going to step on broken glass, you know, because there was just massacres of glass everywhere. It's like every single weekend, there'd be a group of kids that would come there and like smash their beer bottles and it would just be everywhere. And at first I would just leave so upset. I was just angry at like humanity. I'm like, oh, we're trashing the planet and blah, blah, blah. blah. And the only person that was really suffering in there and that moment was me. You know, I'm like, Chelsea, you teach, be the change that you want to see. You know, you love that land. You say, love what you love fully. So I would go back and just piece by piece, pick up these pieces of glass. And, you know, in no amount of Instagram likes or (laughs) Facebook followers or whatever could give me that amount of knowing that I've done something good as that the picking up of the glass, you know, and I, and it struck me. I was like, wow, what if each of us went to our place in nature that we loved and we just cared for it in some small way? What if every time we went for a trail run, we just picked up a couple of plastic bottles? Like, what if it was just this simple? What if we all just did a small piece of our part because we loved this land because this land is giving to us and we can't, we can't not give back, you know? So that's really what I'm trying to give people are the tools to love what they love better, you know, and especially nature. I absolutely love it. And as you know, Chelsea, we're, we're close to time. This has been a very fun and energetic discussion as, as I thought that it would be. <laughs> uh, one, of the, one of the things I do is that I wrap up every episode by asking my guests, and that is the biggest helping. So what is your biggest helping, Chelsea, the single most important piece of information that you'd like somebody to walk away with after listening to our chat today? Yeah, this one is is recent, but it's a it's a recent download for me and it holds a lot of truth. So mine will be is to keep on your radar, just to keep on your radar, the energy or the habits or the thoughts or the people that bring about stagnancy, that bring about in you this non-participation to the moment. This this like this energy that would cause you to play small, would cause you to go numb, would cause you to be like, hmm, I don't matter and I'm not even gonna try. Right? It's that energy and to keep that on your radar, to notice when you're just being your rehearsed self, right? Oh, I just do what I do, I say what I say, because this is what I do. And start seeking out those people that are different than you, right? Somebody who's more religious than you or less religious, more wild or less wild or older or younger or something and start reaching out to people who are different than you so you can destabilize that rehearsed self so that you can get a good vision, a new vision for the world. I think that what we need now is more people on that team of, I want to change. And I want, I want to get my, my beliefs rocked a little bit. And I want to hear your story because it's so different than mine, because I want to get a new vision for the world. That would be my helping. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Chelsea, where can people find you? They can go to chelseachorus.com and everything is Chelsea Chorus, Facebook, Instagram. It's just Chelsea Chorus. Perfect. And for those of you who are on the road or at the gym, we've got you covered. Everything Chelsea Chorus will be available at thedailyhelping.com, show notes, as well as 
in the Daily Helping app available on iTunes and in the Google Play Store. Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on today. It was an absolute blast. <laughs> thank you. And to each and every one of you listening, thank you for tuning into today's episode. If you liked what you heard, go subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave us a five-star review because this is what helps other people find the podcast. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for someone else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. <laughs>